welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast USFL Edition. I'm your host, Ian Harditson. Let's talk some Week 9 USFL. Just two more regular season weeks, and then we're going to have two more final weeks in Canton, Ohio for the playoffs. Right now, we have already had three teams clinch spots for the playoffs. The Philadelphia Stars, the Birmingham Stars, and the New Jersey Generals. Absolutely crucial game this week between the New Orleans Breakers and Tampa Bay Bandits to help figure out who is going to be the fourth and final team in Canton. So, I want to run through the power rankings, some of the top DraftKings DFS plays, gambling picks, and then we'll get out of here. So thanks again for tuning in to this wonderful league. And yeah, let's get after it, everyone. Looking at the power rankings, still in the top spot, the Birmingham Stallions, but it hasn't been easy for them lately. Like you just look at what they've been doing. You know, it's a what have you done for me lately type of league in that situation. Last week, they got the W, but it was just a 10-9 win over the New Orleans Breakers. And before that, you know, a relatively underwhelming 26-6 team win over the Pittsburgh Maulers where they wouldn't have even broke 20 points without the help of a fake punt chunk monster touchdown, which was cool, but like it would be really good to see a lot more more out of Jamar Smith and this offense recently they are getting a healthy Victor Bolden back so hopefully uh this week they are able to get back on track either way single best pass rush in the league with a 40.8 percent pressure rate they're going to have a chance to win any given game despite the lack of an offense as we saw last week with that 10-9 win over the breakers Number two, got to be a New Jersey Generals, a 7-1. They are averaging a league-high amount of yards per play so far, I believe 5.6 yards per play. Also have PFF's top two highest-graded players in Cavante Turpin and Darius Victor, highest-graded offensive players, I should say. DeAndre Johnson was active last week with that ankle injury, but ultimately didn't play. Makes sense. They got the playoff spot clinched, and Luis Perez, to his credit, has done a good job with his opportunities all year long. Does seem like the best version of his team will be with DeAndre Johnson, though. I wonder a little bit about if they're front runners because they've just been able to play with so many leads, and then they can just grind things out with Darius Victor uh, and Kevontae Turpin, really, just with some of the short stuff. But you know what? It's working for them. They have a plus 45-point differential on the season, only the Stallions are better. Number three, moving them up, the Philadelphia Stars. They have earned a spot in uh, the top tier of the league. You know, I really did think for a while it was the Stallions, the Generals, and the Breakers as a clear-cut top three teams. And you still do see that reflected by a point differential. Stallions are at plus 64, Generals plus 45, Breakers plus 38, and the Stars are down at plus 21. But man, you just cannot stop Case Kukas and company lately. 35, 35, most recently 46 points scored over the past three weeks this remains the pff's lowest graded defense i mean overall against the run even in pass rush so they're gonna be in situations where they need to score that many points but they are and as my uh Shout out Coach Kanucky, my University of Chicago offensive coordinator, shows a bunch of stats one time, and you know he was like, all right, guys, let's try to figure out what exactly correlates the most to winning, because I can only see one, and after about 10 minutes, finally someone goes, well, we just got to score more points than them, and he goes, that's it, just got to score one more point than the opposition, you'll get the win, seems to be uh, what the Stars are going for this year, and to their credit, certainly has been working lately. New Orleans Breakers dropped them below the stars. I mean, we just haven't seen this offense reach their potential for the, you know, better part of the last month, honestly. Last week, only nine points against the Stallions was one of Slaughter's worst game of the year. You know, they got the victory over the Panthers in the previous week, but needed overtime to do it against Jeff Fisher and company. Underwhelming victory over the Maulers, and before that, you know, taking L's to the Generals and the Stallions earlier on in the season. So, haven't had, like, any atrocious losses by any stretch. They've only lost to the Stallions twice, as well as the New Jersey Generals. So, it's not like this is a team losing to the bottom-tier teams. At the same time, just haven't quite 
seeing Kyle Sloter, Jonathan Adams, Johnny Dixon, and company have that big breakout game for a while. They do remain the only USFL contender team, though, with a top four graded offense and defense. So best version of the Breakers certainly can take care of anyone. And they, you know, even if they have been struggling a little bit lately, I still think they are firmly a top four team, as evidenced by them likely making the playoffs. That's the thing. We have the Breakers and Bandits this week, and... If the Breakers lose out and the Bandits win out, the Bandits are going to be in the playoffs. The problem is, even if the Bandits win this week, which they're not favored to, and I don't expect them to, even if they win, the Bandits got to face off against the undefeated Birmingham Stallions next week, whereas the Breakers get the Gamblers, who have nothing to play for and don't even have their starting quarterback in Clayton Thorson at this point. So, with that in mind, bottom four teams, Tampa Bay Bandits at 4-4, four and four, but a minus 19 point differential uh, just kind of shows you that they just aren't quite in the same tier as these above teams. Defense hasn't done them many favors all year long. PFF single worst defense actually in coverage grade. So if there was ever a week for Slaughter and company to get back on track, you would think this might be it. We'll see though. Haven't been really trusting him as much through the air in recent weeks. Could be some of those nagging injuries. Also got to wonder if the three interception performance last week maybe gets, uh, I think it's Zach White, Brady White, cut one of their backups a little more involved in the offense. Beyond the Bandits, we got the Michigan Panthers, Houston Gamblers, and Pittsburgh Maulers all eliminated, for, all eliminated from the playoffs and all one and seven. But I just want to stress again, like how much worse Kirby, uh, you know, Kirby Wilson's Pittsburgh Maulers have been than every other team. I mean, for the guy to start off the season with, you know, Pizzagate and then to just give us nothing the rest of the way. I mean, it's just one horrendous performance after another at this point. They're one and seven, league worst, 80 minus 83 point differential. Only one of their losses has come by seven or fewer points. And that came by seven points. Like their only win came on the last play of the game. Like this team could easily be 0-8 with only two competitive losses. Like that's how bad it's been. They have not scored more than 23 points in a single game. They can continue to haphazardly rotate the quarterbacks. There's no rhyme or reason to seemingly anything they're doing. Other than that, though, you know, great job, Kirby Wilson. But yeah. Panthers, Jeff Fisher and company, only a minus 35 point differential. They've actually graded out pretty well overall on offense and defense, but also just two and six against the spread. So again, not quite as bad as a one and seven record, but as Bill Parcells has said, you know, you are what your record says you are. And the gamblers coming in at number seven, just a slight, you know, tick worse than the Panthers, mostly because Clayton Thorson is out of the picture with that elbow injury. So again, Stallions, Generals, Stars and Breakers really in a tier of their own at this point. The Bandits aren't quite as bad as the other one as the one in seven teams in the league also reflected by that minus 19 point differential though that a little bit fraudulent record in their own right so with that in mind everyone and as always you can find all this information over at pff.com in my weekly preview article we can go ahead and look at the DraftKings preview as always I really encourage you guys to look at my USFL Twitter list you can find it on my list on my Twitter page at iHeartIt includes all eight teams as well as you know USFL OG Cody Main doing great stuff with Establish the Run. Basically just helps you guys organize, see the injuries, see the roster moves, and hopefully prevents you from playing someone that is not even going to be out there on the field. So again, can't stress enough just before you submit those lineups and then as the weekend goes on, take a quick look at those moves because we'll get situations like last week where Mark Thompson, Isaiah Zuber, guys that we were expecting to be out there, get scratched late. So with that in mind, Looking at quarterback, Gamblers quarterback Clayton Thorson sidelined with that elbow injury and has already been ruled out. Kenji Bauer again expecting to take each and every snap in his absence. Stars quarterback Brian Scott remains on the uh, injured and inactive reserve list. 
you know, even if he comes back at this point, like Brian Scott was playing really well before he got hurt, but Case Cook is, after what he did last week, probably the single most impressive single-game performance we've seen from a USFL quarterback. So, you know, I hope Brian Scott's healthy. I just do wonder if um, if he's limited at all, if they might just not stick with Cook. is good problem to have considering uh, the amount of USFL teams that haven't been able to find a quarterback as good as either Scott or Cook as the entire season. Generals quarterback DeAndre Johnson, again listed as probable with his ankle issue, but again, last week he didn't take any snaps despite being on the active roster. So still expecting Luis Perez to take the heavy majority of snaps in Week 9, even if Johnson does get a little more involved. They clinch the playoff. Why go out there and put Johnson at more risk at this point? Michigan Panthers, this has the potential to be a mess because we got Paxton Lynch still on the injury report with that lower leg injury and Josh Love questionable with the arm injury. But this is where it gets weird. So Lynch was a full go, but he was transferred to the inactive roster. Love is listed as questionable, but he's still on the active roster. So it looks like Love is in line to start. But then again, they elevated Eric Berreria. Berrier? I, I don't know. Eric is now also an actor quarterback for the Michigan Panthers. And with him, man, this just seems like a situation where it could be a platoon. We did see Jeff Fisher do that early on in the season with Patterson and Lynch. I just, man, if Love is going to be, if Love's going to be inactive as well because of that arm injury and Lynch remains on an active list, then we could get behind Eric as a potential, you know, just low-owned GPP play in DFS land. But at the same time, could easily be Josh Love as well. I'm going to stay away from this team that now has nothing to play for being eliminated from the playoffs. And finally, good news for Jamar Smith. Stylings quarterback Alex Magoo has already been ruled out due to that ankle injury. So we have seen him come in, you know, at the end of wins, basically just running one read option after another, even get some snaps as a wide receiver here and there. So they did elevate Montel Cozart to the active roster, but I'm pretty sure that's more for a solely backup role. Jamar Smith, for his faults over the past few weeks, still has been the starting quarterback overall majority of those eight wins. And, you know, came in and bailed Magoo out with two comeback victories when he wasn't starting so I do think that Jamar Smith has earned the right to be their starter you know for better and for worse the rest of the season expecting him to take each and every snap this week so basically quarterbacks that we expect to play a full allotment of snaps Jordan Tiamu for the Bandits in a must-win game. Uh, Kenji Baher for the Gamblers without Clayton Thorson in the picture. Jamar Smith for the Stallions without Alex Magoo in the picture. And Case Cook is for the Stars without Brian Scott in the picture. Quarterbacks expected to play a majority of snaps, possibly all of them. Kyle Sloter for the Breakers. Also Luis Perez for the generals and also Roland Rivers for the uh, Maulers. But again, with Roland Rivers, like he took every snap last week, but we have bad lead there. Like who knows? It's Friday right now, but maybe by the time the Maulers play, uh, Kirby Wilson will find, you know, some random fan off the street and, you know, suit them up, let them take a few snaps. Why the hell not at this point? The true toss of a quarterback room is the Michigan Panthers with Josh Love versus Paxton Lynch versus our guy, Eric. Favorite players of the week got to be Case Cookus at 9,800 and Jamar Smith at 10,600. Expensive quarterbacks and running backs this week. We saw them actually finally make some pretty steep uh, pricing changes to the top guys. And we'll also see some at wide receiver. Still so much value, though, a wide receiver. We can get, you know, legit starters with upside for under 4000 this week. So I'm not too worried about taking on more money at quarterback with Excuse me, with Kukas, I'd prioritize Jordan Suo, 86% route rate in week eight. Maurice Alexander, 72%, and Devin Gray at 72%. In regards to Jamar Smith, we got Marlon Williams, who really looked impressive last week, 92% route rate, and a returning Victor Bolden. So Victor Bolden, Marlon Williams, Jamar Smith will be one of my most used stacks this week. 
Favorite fades are going to be the eliminated teams. So the Maulers, Panthers, Gamblers, quarterbacks. We might have Roland Rivers there, but the Panthers situation is a mess. Kenji Barher has not shown much in the way of fantasy-friendly nature uh, in his two extended experiences. Two extended appearances this season. So each offense is more of a run first unit in the first place. Miss me with these teams that have nothing to play for and don't offer much upside in the first place. Running back situations. Generals running back Darius Victor listed as a full go with that ankle injury as he's been on the report for weeks. Not worried about it. Limiting him. It looked like, or at least I saw a tweet talking about Trey Williams suffering this neck head injury, you know, basically like prayers up for him and he got stretchered off, but he's not listed on the injury report. Didn't see anything about him being transferred to a, uh, you know, inactive roster am expecting Victor and Trey Williams to be split in their usual 50% snap share. They did elevate running back Kingston Davis to the active roster. So Victor, we, we've talked about the generals like, yes, they're a committee, but they're such a good offense. We can get behind these running backs a little bit more so than like the Maulers or something, for example. But with Kingston Davis in the picture, with the generals having their playoff spot clinched, it would make sense that they maybe take a little bit off of Victor's plate. I mean, that dude, you know, we call him the muscle hamster and he runs just so damn hard each and every week, uh, you know, RIP to him, but uh, Marion Barber vibes that you actually kind of get from time to time. So wouldn't be shocked at all if the uh, generals just lessen that workload a little bit before we get into the playoff season. Big potential play this week. One of my favorite plays is going to be Gamblers running back Mark Thompson. Unfortunately, it was a late scratch last week due to that illness, and he is listed on the injury report with a shoulder, but he has been moved into the active roster, and he has a probable injury designation. So we take that. Then we also look at their backup running back, Dalen Dawkins, already rolled out with a leg injury, and now it's looking like Thompson will be back to having his featured workload. Again, we can live with these two back committees when there's a pretty clearly defined number one. Thompson was that for pretty much the whole year. Weeks seven we did see them keep three guys active now that's looking unlikely with Dalen Dawkins again out of the picture keep an eye on if recently signed free agent Benny LeMay is elevated to the active roster if not have all the exposure to Mark Thompson you want this week Panthers running back Reggie Corbin unfortunately seems to be on the wrong side of a questionable tag after being transferred into inactive roster with that arm injury Michigan declined to elevate another running back in his plate place looking like Cam Scarlett and Stevie Scott forming a two running back committee in a pretty bad offense. Stallions running back Bo Scarborough with a knee and wrist injury as well as running back CJ Maribel with a knee injury are listed as full going expecting to suit up but yeah Scarborough not at 100% either we are expecting him to once again split things up not evenly with Maribel. I do think Scarborough will continue to be the lead back, but his touch floor is more like 15, I think, combined carries and targets as opposed to the 20-plus that we were seeing when Maribel was far more banged up. So looking at you know just the league as a whole, the workhorse backs for this week, I'm projecting Mark Thompson and for the Stars, Matt Colburn. Need to keep an eye on if Darnell Hollins again is going to be inactive because if he is, then it's a situation where Matt Colburn should again be out there almost each and every snap. Lead committee backs, Bo Scarborough. So those are kind of the three running backs I would expect to be one, two, three in touches. Matt Colburn, Mark Thompson, and Bo Scarborough. After that, we just see committees really all over the place. Cameron Scarlett and Stevie Scott in Michigan. Madri London and Garrett Groshek in Pittsburgh. Jawan Washington and BJ Emmons in Tampa. Jordan Ellis and Anthony Jones in New Orleans as well as Trey Williams and Darius Victor over there with the Generals. So again, Williams, Victor, Ellis, and Jones, like especially those guys, they're still in good offenses. So if you want to roll the dice with any of them, I'm not going to call you crazy, but in terms of total touch potential, I want Mark Thompson and Matt Colburn first and foremost, Bo Scarborough after them. So 
Moving on to the wide receiver and tight end situations. Generals wide receiver Darius Shepard has that hamstring injury, but is listed as a full go, transfer of the active roster. Looks like he's going to take Jamon Moore's spot. So Jamon Moore has been moved in the inactive roster. Doesn't seem to be hurt. Just looks like they're rolling with Shepard ahead of him. Alonzo Moore, though, is questionable with a hip and back injury. So maybe Jamon comes up and takes Alonzo's spot. Either way, Darius Shepard looking like a prime value. I believe he's only 4,100 on DraftKings this week. And like Jamon last week played a 96% route rate. I mean, we, he was one of the suggested plays just thinking he'd have a chance to go out there and do something with that. Didn't make a ton out of it. But hey, we saw when they put Jamon back into the lineup, they immediately gave him that every down roll. I'm expecting Shepard to get that same treatment. Also would note that uh, Gambler's wide receiver, Isaiah Zuber, was a late scratch last week, but he's back on the active roster and doesn't doesn't have an injury designation. Wide receiver Tyler Simmons, who had a 75% route rate last week, was accordingly moved back to the inactive roster. So we I noticed that with Zuber, I think um, Mark Thompson as well, like on DraftKings, they're still listing these guys as out. So maybe they're going to update that before uh, you know Saturday and Sunday actually come along, but might actually have a nice chance with Zuber and Mark Thompson just to play guys that people People might be out on because it says they're out even though they're actually not. Stallions wide receiver Marlon Williams with a knee is listed as a full go after really impressing as a number one last week. Victor Bolden also good to go and has been transferred into active roster after dealing with this hamstring injury. So again, all over Jamar Smith this week. You want to stack him with Marlon Williams and Victor Bolden. And we'll just note that Panthers wide receiver Ray Bolden transferred to the inactive roster. So Panthers accordingly signed wide receiver Marcus Sims, but looking at three wide receiver sets of Lance Lenore, Joe Walker, and Devin Ross. So top plays of the week. Got to keep riding with our guy, Cavante Turpin, just the way the generals feed him the ball, as good as he is, too. You know, I've been saying Jonathan Adams, best wide receiver in the USFL all season. I think projecting for the NFL, I might still give Adams that role. But in terms of what we've seen on the field, I think Turpin has honestly taken that award at this point. Again, PFF... PFF's highest grade overall offensive player, electric with the ball in his hands, just erases angles out there, and God forbid someone gets in front of him, he'll probably make him look stupid with some sort of fancy-dancy juke. So, also, Marlon Williams and Victor Bolden. Marlon Williams, pretty nice price point at 6100 Also, stars wide receivers Jordan Suo and Maurice Alexander, who's just 3600 And finally, Mahler's wide receiver Isaiah Henney at just 4100 I do like Henney this week. I mean, Trey Walker apparently still in Kirby Wilson's doghouse. I understand if you you don't want to play a single Pittsburgh Mauler wouldn't have been you know the worst idea to really be employing this entire season but Henny has impressed with that slot job and I do think he's like the primary target for Roland Rivers however long he's going to be under center I mentioned before, so much available salary down low that don't be afraid to pay up at quarterback and at running back and even at a wide receiver spot because we can make up for it later. So Stallions tight end Sage Surratt, 92% routes in week eight. He is a stone cold minimum 2,500 on DraftKings. Gamblers wide receiver Tyler Palka, 88% route rate, cost us 3,000 on DraftKings. Maulers wide receivers Jalen McCleskey, Delvin Hardaway, 76 and 93% route rates. They cost us 3,435 on DraftKings. Stars wide receiver Maurice Alexander, already a recommended play, period. 77% route rate, 3,600 on DraftKings last week. Also a Panthers wide receiver Joe Walker coming in at 79% route rate and 3,900. And finally, Darius Shepard, like we talked about before, just 4,000. Make sure he's good to go with that hamstring, but seems to be and should take over Jamal Moore's hefty 96% route participation rate from week eight. 
get into the week's best bets. 18, 14, and 1 on the season. We've been nailing our locks of the week, though, over the past two. Uh, I don't have a great lock of the week this one. Maybe we'll figure it out, though, as we're going through it. So, first things first, we got the New Jersey Generals against the Michigan Panthers, 1 p.m. on Saturday. The Generals are favored by 7.5 points. Game total is at 46.5 Shout out to Jeff Jeff Schwartz over at Fox uh, Sports. Also been grinding some USFL betting picks, and he had a good note that Jeff Fisher just two and six against the spread this season. Nothing to play for. Give me the Generals minus seven and a half. I just think Luis Perez and company more than capable of outscoring this Panthers offense that seems to once again be playing you know musical chairs under center. Next up, we have the Houston Gamblers versus the Birmingham Stallions. Birmingham twelve and a half point favorites. The game total is at forty three and a half. 12.5 is a lot of points for an offense that, again, has really been riding the struggle bus over the past two weeks. I understand the gamblers haven't looked good either, particularly without Clayton Thorson in the picture. With that said, guys, they haven't lost a game by more than 11 points all season. Like, the gamblers, every single loss they've had before the last two weeks was only by seven points, seven or fewer points, I should say. They've lost two in a row, but they've been by 11 and 10 points. I just think 12.5 is a little bit too much. I'll take the gamblers plus 12.5. I do anticipate the Stallions still being undefeated though this time next week we'll go with the lock of the week on this one Tampa Bay Bandits versus New Orleans Breakers New Orleans only three and a half point favorites the game total is at 43 and a half I'm gonna go with New Orleans minus three and a half again I just it's five wins versus four wins and you might be able to confuse these teams as actually being you know pretty close to each other but honestly when you start looking a little bit deeper Bandits have actually PFFs Second lowest grade overall offense, whereas the Breakers, again, are top four in both overall offense and defense. Bandit's defense also hasn't been overly impressive. And just the point differential, like the Breakers plus 38 on the year, the Bandit's minus 19. I think there's a tier that separates these teams. I think this line should be at least five and a half, if not six. Give me the Breakers minus three and a half. I think they seal up the season, get their playoff berth this week. And finally, the Philadelphia Stars versus the Pittsburgh Maulers. Stars minus 8.5. Game total is at 47.5. As we said last week, friends don't let friends bet on Kirby Wilson in June. We're not going to sit here and go against that advice. So give me the Stars minus 8.5, expecting them to make it look easy. Pittsburgh has not scored more than 23 points all season. And again, we have seen the Stars rip off 35, 35, and 46 points over the past three weeks. So hope you guys continue to enjoy this lovely league. We'll be back on Monday reviewing everything that happened and then back again next Friday to preview week 10 and then we're into the playoffs baby playoffs playoffs thanks again for tuning in I'm Ian Hardison until next time take care everybody 